Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Back then I asked myself the question, where should I be to have the most impact? Who should I know to have the most impact? And my style has always been trying to be smart, analytical, hardworking, but I realized if, in a way, if I don't look different at power and look at positions of power differently, I will not have impact. And for me, linking both and my mm. mission to have a positive impact, but also being in a position where I have the influence, where I have the power, uh, really helped me to excel. When I think of it, is in a way I was uh, between myself and success by making myself sometimes too small. Why did I become an executive coach? I saw lots of great people fail to get ahead at work, while their much less talented peers blew right past them. That made me furious, but also curious. What were great people getting wrong? It came down to helping them re-examine what drove success and then helping them make critical shifts one hard truth at a time. Feel like you're doing everything you were told but you're not moving ahead at work nor having the impact you seek? Then welcome to 97% Effective with Michael Winderoth, where we skip feel-good, happy talk and engage experts in pointed conversations about what it really takes to move the needle at work and your career. So if you feel stalled or frustrated or seek that extra edge as you move to the next level, then look no further. This is the Hard Truths Playbook you never got. Hi. I'm Michael, and you're listening to 97% Effective. Getting promoted, making an impact, not being left behind in the new economy. These hopes and fears, goals my clients raise all the time, can be summed up in one word. Relevance. Deep down, we all want to be relevant. So I'm excited today to speak to Camille Jilkins, CEO of Relevance, the learning company. Relevance is a global learning and development powerhouse based in the Netherlands that, you guessed it, focuses on empowering employees and their organizations to be relevant now and in the future. I became friends with Camille more than a decade ago when we met in Shanghai, when he was grappling with how to make his work and himself relevant. We're going to talk about that path which has landed him in the global C-suite role and his views on what today's employees and organizations need to focus on to stay relevant. Camille, welcome Hi, to 97% Effective. Thanks for being on your podcast. It's a real honor, and I really look forward to our conversation. Awesome. Let's dive in. As CEO, there is a lot about you on the internet. What's one interesting thing about you that we can't find on the internet? Well, one thing I, uh, I usually really don't talk about is that I have a rare bone disease. So I develop... Uh, fibrous bone tissue that really weakens my bones and really limits me playing tennis. Uh, I've got chronic pain. And actually, at the moment, it's getting worse as well. But I really try to look at, at it from a, from a positive perspective because it 
really helps me if it forces me to do good. I really want to have a positive impact on the globe. And it also makes me a little bit impatient. I really want to focus on the here and now and add value in the here and now. So I really try to turn it in a, in a good thing. But usually I really don't talk about it, but it's part of who I am and for sure part of who I want to be as well. Yeah, yeah. being well, a thank, of good. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. You've certainly been in a hurry <laughs> in the last four years. I mean, when you took the helm, pretty soon thereafter, we went into the pandemic. So we're going we're gonna to dive into that. Yeah. What I wanted to do here was your personal path is fascinating. So we're going to spend about half the time there. And then we're going to switch over to your you know, CEO seat and look at a couple of the critical trends that you see mm. in learning and development because your clients are, are, are global corporations all over the world. I love that. On the personal path, you know, I see in the audience out there, we see a lot of good, smart people fail to get ahead or they get sidelined from making an impact at some point in their career. And so here's where I think your personal story is very interesting. You had a fantastic early, you know, career strategy consulting. You headed up business development roles with blue chip companies. And then at that point, you kind of left it. And you moved to China, which, you know, nowadays is like kind of an intuitive move or people see that. But back then, it maybe wasn't so intuitive. You also changed industries at that time. And I know that it, like in your first year or two there, you had some early challenges. But hey, fast forward that eight years later, you're in the CEO seat there at Relevance. You know, as you reflect on that, was there one or two kind of the biggest things that, that got you through that kind of mm. mid-career inflection point, landed you in the C-suite? Well, first, also back then, I asked myself the question, where should I be to have the most impact? Mm. Where who should I know to have the most impact? And my style has always been trying to be smart, analytical, hardworking. But I realized if, in a way, if I don't look different at power, and look at positions of power differently, I will not have impact. And for me, linking both, and my mm. mission to have a positive impact, but also being in a position where I have the influence, where I have the power, uh, really helped me to excel because it also helped me to, to talk to more senior leaders, expand my network, uh, make the jump, don't be afraid of it. So I think asking myself the question, where do I want to be, where should I be to have impact, really helped me to, do, to look different at power. So yeah. that's for sure one thing. And the second, second thing that comes up when I, when I think of it is in a way I was uh, between myself and success by making myself sometimes too small of being uncertain and by really letting that go. And in a way, just do it, go for it, learn, see what happens, experiment. And that has been another factor that really helped me to, to excel. So don't be afraid, but just, just do it and don't, don't, uh, make yourself too humble, too small. If I want to talk to a CEO, just call them. If I want to ask for support, go for it. Uh, but always keeping that mission and my mission to have positive impact in mind and, and act, act from that. So there's this underlying theme of what's kind of your larger mission and impact. Why China then? Uh, China, it's all about love, Michael. My wife, <laughs> my wife moved to China I don't know if I ever told you, but my Eva and my wife got a job in China. And then I asked myself, I can be in a traffic jam in Holland all the time, or I can make that, that, that jump forward and just go for it. So I left my job in, in the Netherlands, a senior consulting role, left it, moved to China, started talking to people, and then I landed a job 
actually in fashion, <laughs> it was really different, but in a way it was still the same. Uh, looking at the company, where is it? Develop a strong mission, develop if the team is stronger, where do you want to go? And help the team to go that, uh, to make it happen. And in a short time, we, we doubled in size. And so this isn't a, a podcast about China, which, which no. I think we could, we could have a whole conversation around mm. that. But as you look back on your China years, what, what did you kind of gain most from that? It is a different market. I think a lot of people don't appreciate. Most Western executive teams still don't understand China. But what was probably the biggest um, benefit to you from operating and leading in that environment? In a way to really understand how to navigate in uncertain times. Had to navigate in the fog, and emerging strategy is a key component of that in my thought. So of course you have an analysis where you are, where you want to go, but always keep looking at what can I do here and now, uh, how to be more agile, how to be more quick, because speed is so important, experiment, fail quickly, learn, and I think China is the best place to learn those, those skills in navigating in uncertain times, and it also it helped me enormously when I moved to CEO position four years ago, and, and and, and came up in a corona time where we completely had to change exactly. our business, our business models in a really short span of time. And without China, I could never have, have done that because uh, if you talk about speed, if you talk about emerging strategies, if you talk about uh, navigating in an uncertain market, uh, that's, there's no better example than China. Yeah, so those years you totally bring into your, your CEO and leadership role now. Yeah. If I can make a couple personal observations, because we've known each other for a couple years, and I'm, I'm curious how you respond to these. You know, having observed you, and then also, you know, studied a lot of the, the strategies and habits of, of those who really rise to position of influence, I think you embody a couple things really well. And, you know, the first one is, you are excellent at communicating value and insights, you know, that particularly are relevant to decision makers. And, and I see this happen to, to many of our peers who ran China businesses. They were not good at explaining things, uh, what they were doing, if they were pulling the rabbit out of the hat, things that they did very difficult. But there wasn't this appreciation for what they had done back in their, their Western corporate offices. So do, do you, you agree? Is there, is like a, was there a technique or, or, or something you did there that, that really helped you communicate well what you were doing and for sure and i yeah. keep doing it every day right now and for me the key success formula is actually connecting the the more the harder part the content part the analytical part with the people part mm. so ensure you really add value to your stakeholders so you really need to know what's their strategy where are they how can you really add value to their business their business goals help to help them to fulfill their mission yeah, so really, it's more the analytical part and always connecting that to the people side, mm. connecting with them, go deep, spend personal time, be interested, be curious. So it's really also about combining excellent remarks, smart, smart ideas, smart concepts, but with a lot of open questions like mm. you do now. Is being, I think being curious is such an undervalued skill. And by being curious, you really understand the other person and really you can really add value to their business. And when you add value and then then everything is possible, of course. But really combining both is, is crucial. Now, I see so many people focusing on the one, certainly a lot of colleagues in strategy consulting, and as always, they want to be the smartest kid in town. And a lot of people in HR are so good on the people side, but then going for harmony, forget how to innovate, how to push for results. But if you can combine both, and I think that's the, the, the key answer to your question. Yeah. 
And you mentioned kind of this spending time with people and, you know, we, we moved into the pandemic, like you can't meet some of your, you know, folks face to face. What could you still do that over Zoom or was there some different element that you had to do to, oh, to, for to create sure. that personal I think bond? The, actually, Zoom helps you to listen better mm. because it's less distraction. So really be there in the here and now with the other person and, and, and connect both on a mind level. But I always realized change will never happen when you don't connect on a heart level. And change happens when people are doing things differently than they've done before. And that's really they need to understand conceptually. But if it doesn't connect on a hard level, no change will happen. And also on Zoom, telephone, whatever, you can connect to the hard level, but always see where the emotion is and, and go there. I, also, I always see, look where the pain is. And a, a second piece that I've observed here is around, and you, you touched on this, so let's go a little deeper here, was around the networking and building a, a strong personal brand. I think you were really adept at this internally and externally, kind of using your position or seat to facilitate that. And, you know, we here, and I'm sure you also hear it working with a lot of executives that sometimes, you know, networking is viewed as a waste of time. It's a very self-serving activity, right? You know, I'm talking about myself. But the research here is, is quite compelling on how strong, diverse networks are the key to innovation, you know, bringing value, getting promoted. I mean, would you generally ag agree with that? Or what were some of the productive ways that, that you networked? Because you are hyper busy, so you really have to choose how you spend your time. First, I love people. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I want to understand them. I, I love talking. I love learning. So that, that's for sure one part of the answer. But then if you look at networking, I think it's also, again, trying to understand the other person, where to add value. So I think collaboration is a key thing of networking. Mm -hmm. A small project, large projects, but really see how to connect people with each other, with, with myself. And, and after, I remember when I came in Schouten, uh, the CEO was really far away. And I remember on, on the, the second day, I went to him, introduced myself, and, and really pitched myself. And my passion, and I already say this for 15 years, my passion is about connecting strategy and people. So really go for both. So I really have been repeating that mes message for the last 15 years. Also when people think <laughs> of me, it's often, what's re which really Camille's core strength? He's really good at strategy. He's good in people. And when you combine them, that's where the magic starts, where you, uh, you fulfill your mission. And I've been repeating that in almost every networking event, every, every introduction I did, the same message. So people had that ingrained, people know it, people, it has been, been, been become a brand. And, and then people know when, when should they call Camille. And that's also a very important aspect, also for clients. When, when people of clients go through a transformational change, uh, a new coach, a new strategy, and then they often call me to, to discuss it, to, to just brainstorm it. So is this the right direction? How can we go to the mind? How can we go to the heart? How can we really make change happen in a, in a large organization? Because that's what I'm focusing on. I really... I focus on creating change on a multinational level. And by having that brand, that also really helps me in, in networking. And it also really helps me in networking with value because always connecting to, to having impact uh, by getting to know new people, understand their issues. Of course, sometimes chit-chat or just having fun as part of it, but also really see, hey, where can I add value? And how can somebody add value to me? Because what I love about China, because also of the, the current period, is really a networked economy. Yeah. Uh, when I came to, to Scout, I remember we tried to do everything ourselves. And one of the key reasons for our success, we are growing 30% a year over the last uh, four or five years, is that we stopped doing that. 
And we work together with the best partners internationally uh, and learn from each other, uh, add value to each other. And, and, and that ecosystem we really build by networking, by going to conferences, events, and always have uh, look for and new people, new companies that add value. Yep. So, so did I hear that correctly? Your second day of work, you just went and talked to the CEO. For sure. That's bold. <laughs> and, and, and one of the reasons that was bold, because I, I, I used to work for Reed Elsevier. Mm. And then I was the right-hand person of one of the directors, and there was a lot of issues, and he left, he left the company. And I really had a bad relationship with a new US CEO, actually. And I had like pre-assumptions, all things of my mind. And, and I, he moved me to another position where I didn't have impact. And from that moment on, I realized this should never happen again. <laughs> so I made a commitment and a promise to myself Networking is key to, to be at a position of impact. So really, I yeah. learned, learned the hard way at Real Elsevier and changed my approach completely. So you learn from mistakes. Yeah, I, I love that reflection. And also the kind of simplicity around your brand is around those two words, strategy and people. Yeah. And you have, you know, people know what you stand for. They know to go to Camille for, for that. Yeah. So that's that's quite beautiful. And, and now, you know, in your role, I imagine you also do a lot of mentoring and, you know, coaching of even within the company, your high potentials. Are there things that you encourage them to, to be doing? Is it this kind of boldness where <laughs> you go out sure. and really make sure you know key yeah. stakeholders or other, are there anything else? Uh, for me, it starts first with understanding self. Know who you are, know your strength, know your core mission. And what are your two words? then I really help them to understand their context a lot better. So where can you add the most value? What should you do to add the most value? Not only look at the here and now, but also look at what are key trends in the environment, key trends in the company, so how. And based on who am I, the context where you're operating, develop a vision. So this is where I really want to make a difference. This is how my brand should look like. And then experiment the hell out of it. You know, we say it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. So just do it. <laughs> so, so having the strong mission and knowing what you're trying to do is really fundamental. And then this part around networking, yep. the, the being bold. Is there anything else you would add here to, to a lot of folks out there, right, who are trying to also move to that or have aspirations to move to the next level of leadership in their companies? What I learned, actually, you helped me a lot in it, uh, Michael. Um, Certainly in the past, I loved harmony. And my idea of harmony was having a good atmosphere, mm. be there a lot. And I remember you once saying to me a long time ago, probably on a tennis court, you know, a good CEO goes in, has impact and goes out. And that has had a huge impact on me because I still do the same. I avoid a lot of the, you know, I'm in the meeting, but I, I avoid the, the, the after things or sometimes I'm there at the event, but also many times I'm not there at all mm. because I want to be in, have impact, and sure it happens, and then also go to a different place where I have more, maybe more impact. And that helped me a lot. Uh, avoid the harmony, avoid each time on, on having the deep relationship, always look for impact, and of course people and connect on a hard level, but you don't, you don't, there's no reason to be there all the time. Yeah, and that's, especially if you've got good people around you. that you. And actually you by being there, you are in between good people and their success. True. So that your comment has had a lot of impact actually on how I operate today. You've been listening to 97% Effective with your host, executive coach, Michael Winderoff. If this interview is making you think, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, back to our interview. Well, 
well-spoken and that bridges us over to this topic around, you know, what you see in the CEO seat. You guys work with companies around the world. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested, and I think the audience here would love to hear about, maybe we'll pick two big trends you are seeing with clients. And, and we can choose one that organizations need to be in tune with, and then maybe one that individuals. What, what do you see if we pick the first one, a, a key trend or topic affecting organizations? On an organization level, two things for me are really important. The first yeah. one is these are so uncertain times. So it's really all about innovation, reinventing yourself, experimenting, uh, learning very quick. So learning is a key component of that. I really believe that learning is one of the only sustainable advantages in these, these times. Mm -hmm. if, no matter if you look at sustainability, energy, supply change, so much change. So learning quickly, adapting quickly, that's, that's key. So that's for me, that's all around innovation and how do you build an organization that actually can innovate mm -hmm. in a really quick way. Uh, and you can, for my belief, you can only do that when you really have a learning culture in place with a growth mindset and be open. Uh, but that's really on a, on a cultural level. Um, so that's for sure the, the first one. Then if I look at, at myself, but also at almost any industry, it's all about digitalization. Mm. Uh, five years ago, almost everything we did was face-to-face. -face, and I had a big belief that I had to, to change that. But actually, I didn't get the message across in my organization. And then after one year, COVID happened. And that was really my, in a way, my blessing. Because from that moment on, I didn't need to explain to clients or internally that there was a big need for hybrid learning, for, for combining tech and people and make the best of it. And that really has propelled our, our impact and, uh, and growth. And digital is a key, co key component of that. Uh, the, the building ecosystems with platforms and our, the, the content, interventions, people by using teams or all kinds of, of tools. And you see that in any, any industry, uh, the, the metaverse, so much change and opportunities coming to us. And uh, so those are certainly two trends that are also really correlated with each other, right? Innovation, digitalization, and that on a global global scale, uh, that's uh, for sure what I see happening. And then on an individual level, for me, it's all about how do I actually navigate in the fog? How do I navigate in uncertain times? I see many leaders in these times that they avoid making decisions because they don't know what to do. So it's also really about the scale where you only have 40% of the data or even less based on those 40%, what are you doing right now to mm. create the impact you want to have, to create the transformation you have, so don't, don't wait. But indeed, be bold and, and, and go for it. And that's a skill I don't, don't see a lot around me. But it's, it's crucial to, to be successful in these days. Yeah, on the, um, the agility, innovation, and digitalization, a comment that you made earlier about being able to partner you know, yeah. very quickly, which you had picked up or developed in, in China, um, but is also something new that you brought to a very historic, you know, 40 plus year old company. Yeah. Um, say a little bit more about that kind of partnerships, or is that like a skill that you can teach? For sure, because for me, it has everything to do with being open. Mm. It's about networking and really look for the best companies around in their area and, and build an eco learning system and build an ecosystem. So, really think um, more in a holistic view. Really use system thinking in a way. It's really about system thinking. Look from a higher level and see how you can connect the dots to have a lot more impact. And for us, that means that we always build our own platform. You know, after a few months, we need to stop doing it because we can never compete 
with the top comp uh, with the degrees of this world or the Wileys of this world, it's impossible you build a better platform than them. So collaborate with them and actually integrate sales with them so you closely work together. And that's what we do today. Same for content. That is actually the value of content is less and less, mm-hmm. right? Because so many sources. So you can go LinkedIn Learning or again the Wiley Group. So use their content, but blend it, uh, structure it, uh, add value by, by offering questions around it, assignments, nudges, uh, workplace learning. So really make, make it of value, but don't make it yourself as it's so wide available. Intervention, same thing. I'm really proud of a collaboration we have right now with Mursion. And maybe you know that, but it's, it's coaching by an avatar. Mm-hmm. And that creates a really safe environment to experiment, to learn, to do different things. Because and when we see each other, as something happens in, in our mind that we act differently, Mursion has a different approach. We integrate it in our learning journeys and, you know, and that accelerate their growth accelerates our impact so i love those com- uh, combinations and on my own i will our could never have that impact so on each level of the value chain we look at the best partners globally and see how we can integrate it in an ecosystem uh, and i think the key skill to learn is that you look more from a holistic level from a systems thinking perspective and connect the, the dots and let go of your ego right to think well we, we know it better we are better and let go of that and really be open this may send us in a, in a slight tangent, but mm. you know, you I talked about some of these new technologies, this one of avatars I had not actually heard of, but there is a lot of very interesting emerging technologies related to the metaverse, yeah. related to like robo machine learning, machine learning, robo coaching. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Working with other coaches, there's those who are totally threatened by this. There are those of us who say, hey, this is the democratization of this field, and there will always be a place for different pieces along there. How do you think about this? Because also relevance, right? I think a lot of employees out there, probably more some of the white-collar ones, think that they're going to be disintermediated by AI and robots. Do you have kind of perspectives on this? Well, for me, it brings me back to my mission. I want to help as many people and their organizations to be relevant, to have impact. It's really important you can offer a really personalized experience to larger groups. Mm. And technology offers the ways to do it. But it's always said that people, that the human factor is always in it. I think if you look at at retail or or other industries, the people side is is key. Of course, we want to be touching our hearts. But technology can really help you to, to operate at a completely different scale. And it's also what we learned in China in a way, because projects in China always were, were so big and so many people involved, right. so there were no limits. And with that in mind, I look also at technology. How can I have that impact that I had as a strategy consultant with yeah. 10 executives, three days in a very expensive place in, in Spain or wherever? How can I have that impact? But then for 10,000s of people, and then technology comes in and it doesn't replace anything. It just enables you to do more, better, and, and, and more quick. But you always need to look to what's really value. So we always measure impacts. That data is crucial. And experiment. Because for sure, things I'm doing today, one year later, I will say, hey, maybe hey, that didn't work too well. Didn't have the impact I dreamed or I was hoping for. But that's, that's okay. And then uh, we learn, we change, and, and become better. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the difference from your strategy consulting days is now you're able to actually implement and do all those things. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. We know a lot of the strategy consulting work doesn't ever actually, actually ever get implemented, unfortunately. So, And the key reason is that it doesn't touch the heart. Mm. In the mind, it makes perfectly sense. It's okay. But if people are not touched by it, and that's why machines will never replace 
coaches or because you, you want to touch the heart. And that's where people come in. That's where emotions come in. And without that, no change will ever happen. And that was my key reflection on my strategy consulting part. That that was not, not part of it at all. No. Yeah. And it should yeah. be part of it. Say, say, say more about touching the heart because you have talked about meeting people, being curious, asking questions. Is there an other element, right? If you're, you're talking to all your, your future leaders in your company, other ways that people can touch hearts, touching that emotion, which is so important for kind of the human element? Uh, a colleague of mine, Jan, he Jan Heinschout, always says, look for the pain. Mm. And if you know the pain, look for what they really want to create. And what's their life purpose? What's their mission? I know you often talk about a North Star, but that's if you find out those elements, and then you go immediately to the heart, and then you can really, people have the impact they desire by connecting good ideas, smart ideas, concepts, logic, but connect it with, uh, with who they want to be, the impact they want to have, and then again, the magic, the magic happens. And it has a lot to do with what you do now is asking a lot of good questions and use your intuition, because often we feel what's going on on a deeper level. And we can read in between the lines as long as you, you look for it. And so really, uh, with all your empathy, with all your emotions, look for it and, and go for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of emotional information that people don't tap into. They don't exactly. really explore. They kind of look at the surface and more objective things or what people are hearing. So I think that's a... And that makes me think I'm, I'm involved. I coach actually quite a lot of, of senior women. And what you see is that they often they, they look so differently at power mm. and they are almost afraid of it, of, 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 of jumping in, of going to the places where power is because I, want, I don't want to deal with politics. I don't want to do this. I don't want, and really help them to look differently at it by touching in what would, who do you really want to be? What do you really want to create? And then have a different view of, on, on C spot positions and, and really embrace, embrace it. And uh, yeah, and we, I saw a lot of positive change happening. Yeah, that's a very similar theme to, to what I see with my clients mm. around, around power. Very, very interesting. What do you see? What, what do you see happening? That, very similar that there is this with a lot of groups. We could say I would extend this beyond women to maybe groups that are not kind of outside the, the, the majority that, that maybe sits in leadership that feel like, you know, Power is more about being selfish and exploitative, yep. and perhaps that's been used against them somewhere in their life or, or careers. And so this very negative association, and so there's a process of reframing that. This is a subject we've, we've also talked about. And if you can reframe it, I love what you said there about, hey, what do you, you know, if you have more influence, more impact, going back to what you said, you know, what can you do with that? You can change organizations, you can change hiring practices, you can launch new innovations that are going to serve. And so if you get people to kind of reframe that and see power merely as a force that can be used in different ways to different ends, we are here in Europe with Machiavelli, so everyone associates power with being very Machiavellian. Exactly. Um, but if we can reframe that, I think there's a huge opportunity, and then we tap into much more talent at the leadership level. So, yeah. And in yeah. a way that also for me, that means that letting go of terms like servant leadership uh, because sometimes it's too much service, but also really make that change happen. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, a key trend or topic for employees, let's say kind of this mid to senior aspiring to rise and make more impact. Is there a particular trending skill or topic that they should be focusing on that you're seeing? 
for me, it's, it, these days it's really about people first. Mm. Uh, it's so difficult to attract the right people, recruit them, retain them, and grow them. So really be people-oriented, be people-first. Don't try to have all, you know, one leadership model and every leader should function in that mall, but be, in that, but be open to it and really look for people's strengths and how can I make you really good in your position and make you help you grow. Uh, I think that's a skill that's underestimated, but it's key uh, in, in a period with all yeah, with the shortage of skills, shortage of, of, of good people, all the issues we have on the labor market, uh, lack of innovation, et cetera, et cetera, to, to really make a next step on an organizational level. So, so really put people first uh, and act from it. So we mm -hmm. should really help new leaders to combine the, uh, the result-orientedness with, with people skills. I think also if I look at the people we look for, people skills is, is higher and higher on the list. And I also see it with clients. So asking the right questions, reading in between the lines, influencing. So mm -hmm. knowing when to push, because without pushing, nothing happens. And knowing when to create space for others to move and, and, and really be that servant leader. But you need to combine it with that strong leader who can have impact and push for things. I really combine both. Yeah. And that's, I think, the key thing I, I wish for new leaders. Yeah, navigating that balance, right? Because you take it too far, you become a doormat or a pushover or you get in people's way, to your comment earlier. Anything you want to add to that? I think it's such an insightful observation about we need to at once have people be servants, putting people first. But on the other hand, you know, assertive, not an aggressive or Machiavellian, but assertive and clear. Any, anything you want to add to that? Because I think it's such an important topic well even aggressive you know no just have a large toolbox and i feel aggression can be part of it because when there is mm. a crisis when things really need to change in the here and now some aggression is really actually good if you do it in the right way and you do it on purpose yeah you I, have an example of how you've used that yeah for sure i remember mm. in the first two three weeks of of covid i thought things are happening too slow we need to adjust the way we work what we offer our value proposition with so many things and people were, in a way, just shocked. Yeah. And then I really had to push things to happen. These are the priorities. This is what I want to see. On this Friday, I want to have the first, first sprint finished. So we're in very short sprints. And, and some perceive that as aggressive. For me, it's really result-oriented. Mm. And at those moments, you really need to be extremely pushy on the, on the results. And you yep. cannot do that long-term. Right. And you cannot do that, do that every time. But when there is that crisis and you want to... That change really needs to happen in you. I think that's something you need to, as a leader, you need to be able to do. And other moments when you're more, <coughs> sorry, focus on the people side, help other people to grow, then it's about offering space, offering mentoring, be that servant leader. But as a leader, you need to have a, you cannot see it, but a large, a large toolbox <laughs> right. and act from, act from purpose. Yeah. And what do I need to do right now with this person, with this team to have the most value and help them to go to a place where they have not been before? And that's always the combination of pushing and creating space and for sure building confidence because in uncertain times, it's very easy for people to lose confidence. But I really believe that by, by building the confidence, by in a way showing that it is possible, but also help people of, to believe that they can do it. I've been surprised by, the, by what can happen and what's possible. Yeah, I, I talk about this as kind of what is thinking about what is your role as a leader? What do other people need in a particular yeah. moment? And it, and it goes back to, you know, situational leadership is what is the context or the particular situation calling for? But I love how you 
and it's situational leadership, that. but always think, what do I want to create? Yeah. So what do I want to, what's my end goal? Yeah. Because if you don't have that yourself and you don't have that North Star in your mind yourself, then you become like, you go left, right, and you only act, act from what you think that the team needs, but it's really, yeah, know yourself what's needed and, and act from it. Yeah. Any important question here I didn't ask or it's not being asked of you that that should be that you want to address? I'm still very curious because you are coaching so many people. If you look back at the last six months, what was your eye open or something that you feel, hey, this is really something important that we did not touch in our conversation? The number one thing is, and why I also wrote you know, my book, was resolving this, this tension that, you know, if you want to get things done, <laughs> we know, particularly as you rise in organizations, you need to be able to influence and work through other people. And, you know, the, the, the dominant model, right, we won't say is necessarily the best because we see a lot of leaders just run their companies into the ground and, or their countries into the mm. ground and, and walk away. And so thinking about this new model, but having people kind of hold these two, what they feel are very opposed ideas, you know, if it's power, I've got to be Machiavellian, a narcissist, mm. and pushing. And how do you reframe that um, or get people to experiment with behaviors like you said? Potentially, sometimes you need to show aggression. You need to move people. You need to push people, but also need to give them space. And so I think this is probably the most important topic and why I focus on it on my, on my yep. coaching and, and working with a lot of global leaders. It's quite universal. And so that's... That's what I see. Yeah, and that resonates a lot with me and is very much in line with, uh, with what I see. So we also have a big task, big responsibility to create that change in the, with the individuals we work with and by doing that, change organizations and really build that culture. Uh, because I think if we do it, we become a lot more innovative because it's less, uh, we don't go for the harmony. Uh, we go for the results, we go for impact. And I think by doing that, we can make the world a lot better. Camille, has been awesome to reconnect and, and spend time. We, I would love to do it more, but I know how busy we both are. Aside from going to relevance, I mean, your company's got a lot of resources and newsletters. Um, what's the best way to see your work, the company's work, or reach you guys? I love if people connect with me. Most easy way of doing this is by, by LinkedIn. Just send me an invite, Camille uh, Jilkins, Relevance Learning. Or send me an email, camille.jilkens at uh, schoutenglobal.com. Maybe you can. Yeah. We'll put, put that in, in, the, in the show notes because that's always a tough run for non-Dutch exactly. to, to, to pronounce. But I love, to, <laughs> I love to, to communicate, love to learn. And any way I can help, I'm there. Yeah, I, I love that. And again, congratulations on this spectacular you know, career and impact you're having and relevance is having. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to 97% Effective, where we skip happy talk and help you break through and ascend one hard truth at a time. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, you can get free resources, including the first chapters of Michael's book, Get Promoted on his website, www.changwinderoth.com. That's www.changwenderoth.com.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.